When Joan Gratz's animation, Mona Lisa Descending a Staircase, in which clay depictions of famous artworks melt into each other over seven spellbinding minutes, won the Oscar for Best Animated Short in 1992, it was applauded by many for merging the worlds of animation and so-called high art. Leaving aside my issues with the problematic notion of high and low art in general, my main objection to this sentiment is the implication that animation itself cannot be considered as worthy of rapturous plaudits as the work of da Vinci, Van Gogh and Picasso. One need only look at the painterly masterpieces of Frederick Back and Alexandre Petrov, the abstract creations of Walter Ruttmann and Oscar Fischinger, or the politically charged satires of Jan Svankmeyer or Jerry Trunka, to realise that there is hardly a chasm separating the worlds of fine art and animation. While I'd passionately recommend seeking out works by these animators, there is also ample artistry and intelligence to be found in more popular animated sources. There are psychologically taught themes of obsession to be found in the coyote's relentless pursuit not of roadrunners, but of one particular roadrunner. There are Bob pot shots at romantic gender roles to be uncovered in Pepe Le Pew cartoons. I am the luxmith of love, no? Well, Pixar's Toy Story trilogy is one of the most cerebral and formally daring ruminations on love, loss and growing up ever put on screen. Mom, no one's going to want those old toys. They're junk. One need only look past the cataracts of their own prejudices to appreciate that animation is a medium worth taking seriously. Look, I'm Picasso! I don't get it. You uncultured swine! Hello, I'm Andy Golding and welcome to the second in a short series of very special episodes of Spoiler in which the rest of the team have generously allowed me the opportunity to talk to some of my animation heroes in the hope of illustrating what an underrated medium animation is. In this episode, I'll be talking to British animator Joanna Quinn, creator of the character Beryl, a formidable Welsh housewife whose appearances in the films Girls Night Out, Body Beautiful and Dreams and Desires Family Ties have made her one of the great cult icons of modern animation. Joanna is perhaps most widely known for her Oscar-nominated adaptation of Posey Simmons' children's book Famous Fred, which was one of the crown jewels of Channel 4's 1996 Christmas schedule, but among animation enthusiasts, it is a satirical examination of British imperialism, Britannia, which has been hailed as a masterpiece, and which continues to resonate powerfully in the current political climate. Having loved her work for decades, it was an enormous honour to gain first-hand insight into, to paraphrase Bob Dylan, these visions of Joanna that conquer my mind. I started out by asking Joanna how the character of Beryl came into being. I first drew Beryl when I was at college, many, many years ago, <laughs> and she was meant to be, I, th- I think because I'd seen some animation and stuff, and uh, I, everything tended to be male protagonists, yeah. and so I did feel I was good, I really should try and do a, a, a woman as the heroine yeah. rather than the man. Yeah, so I wanted to create a character that was a woman and strong, but lovable and really nice. Yeah. And um, and so that's sort of where she came from. It yeah. was a, a, you know I did it deliberately to to try and do a, a female character. Maybe because uh, you know I had lo- lots of strong women in my life at the time. My mum was very strong, and uh, lots of her friends and other people in my family and stuff. So I was surrounded by strong women. Yeah. And uh, so Beryl sort of reflected them, I suppose. So do you think did did she come directly from any of those influences? Did any of those feed into her specifically, or? Well, 
she's very much my mum, I <laughs> yeah. think, because my parents split up. So I spent, like, I grew up with my mum, um, seeing my dad at weekends and stuff. So basically, she brought me up um, on her own, and, yeah. I, and especially like, this is in the 1970s. It was a bit difficult, you know. She had a house and had a job and everything, but to deal with everything, yeah. I think it was a it was a bit of a challenge. And so she came across quite a lot of obstacles, but she always had a sense of humour. And so I just, you know, I just thought that was amazing that yeah. she would have all these troubles yet always managed to laugh. But she didn't look like Beryl, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and a number of other women in my life, you know, who who I think. So she's probably sort of a, a little bit of a mixture of maybe about five people. I think right right from the offset. I mean, uh, Girls' Night Out is is almost overwhelmingly energetic. I think animation at it, its very best uh, captures this this real sense of life rather than just the illusion of movement. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how do you approach breathing that life so vividly into your characters? I suppose I try and draw quickly. Um, I mean, everything is very carefully planned. I plan everything very, very carefully. I spend most of the time planning before I animate. And so when I animate, it's just like... (laughs) Sort of just dot to dot, you know. um, So all of the methodical slow stuff is done planning and doing layout drawings and stuff. And then when I animate... I just really enjoy drawing and I think the enjoyment you can see the enjoyment absolutely yeah and I think because I, I whenever I make my films it's really just me and a, and a small team of people so you haven't really got to compromise you know I can just draw how I enjoy drawing yeah and um, just just have fun with a line whereas when you're as I know because we've worked on commercials you know when you're working to a very tight deadline and you've got um, a big team you have to make compromises in the artwork so that everybody it's achievable for everybody to do sure but um, when you're making your own films you, you don't have that so you can just go mad <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I mean obviously there's a, there's a difference between doing commercial work and, and doing work for yourself but I mean I've seen I've seen some of your adverts, and that they still they still have a, a sense of you in them. You can still see that it, it's your work. Is there a uh, do you, do you still feel attached in the same way to uh, to the commercial work that you do? Well, I mean, it's, uh, commercials are very different. You know, they're, yeah. they're for other people, and ultimately you have you have to please the client, and so. You don't want to piss a client off too much no. or else you won't get the next job. So there's compromise there, definitely. But the benefits of, of doing ads is that you can you can take on more people, you can employ more people, train more people. Have, and it's quite, it's, quite gr- it's quite enjoyable working yeah. in a team in a very stressful situation where you've only got this amount of time to get something finished. You know, it's great fun. Yeah. And I think maybe what I try and do is um, I, when something is prescribed and you've got this is the story, you've got to do this, I always find that it's all the little extras that people find funny. You yeah. Know? And, um, and so you've got, you've got a storyline which isn't necessarily, it might be semi-funny or <laughs> semi, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, it's coming up with a little look or a little movement or something extra that gets a little laugh, you know, that people can relate to yeah. and go, oh, you know, and they recognize, they recognize that and they can see um, a look in an eye which makes somebody look a little bit vulnerable, <laughs> you know. So you're looking for detail 
or I look for detail that just gives you a little bit more information about the character. Yeah. Now, m- many of your, your films that you, you make for your, yourself, well, I say you make for yourself, you make for, for us, <laughs> the fans, <laughs> um, they, many of them touch on, on gender issues. I'm thinking of the, like the Beryl films and Elves, yeah. and, and, and particularly uh, The Wife of Bath, your Chaucer adaptation. Yeah. Uh, and when, when you're making a film, do you, do you approach films from that sort of starting point? So you have, you have a statement you want to make, or do you start with sort of a, a concept or characters and then let the content sort of emerge from there? Um, well, kids, they all sort of go together. I mean, the sto- all the stories are to do with issues. You know, it all sort of in- interlocks. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think, obviously, because I am a woman animator, I am going to do... I'm going to try and make the women look particularly good. Sure. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> strong. I don't want to do. I don't want to create characters that appear weak. Yeah. Um, you know, because I suppose at the back of my mind, I do. I do feel a commitment. You know, and I do think I have to. I have to make strong characters. Yeah. You know, female characters, because to just to redress the balance. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um So that's my job. You know, I do have to do that, and I suppose that is always in the back of my mind. And, and and I suppose the the stories are always the, the stories to do with gender are always more interesting to me. Yeah, sure. Um, so so I suppose that's where my interest lies. And ultimately, I I, I really do want to redress the balance. And so so yes, it probably is. It is um, a definite choice to yeah, do that. Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes your film so exciting. It says here there's only one calorie in that lettuce leaf there. Yeah. It can't just only a month away. She gotta get into her outfit. I can't see myself in that costume though. Hey, what's that? A wheel costume? <laughs> oh! We've had enough. You've got to do something about him. Yeah. He's got Yay. to be stopped all now. All right, all right. Now, don't worry, girls. Just you leave it to me, right? The whole reason I wanted to do the, these shows and, and talk about animation more is that I think it's it's a medium that is really often trivialised and people see it as a, almost a throwaway art form or, or just for children. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have, you, have you ever encountered this kind of reaction to animation yourself? Do you know, I, I haven't really. I mean, I, I think mainly because in the commercial world, it's taken very seriously. Yeah. You know, they, they really value animation because it's the perfect... You know, for 30 seconds, animation, you can do anything, you know, so it's, it's perfect for that, so that you don't have that children's, it being silly, that doesn't yeah. come into it. Yeah. In terms of, um, like, series work and, and that, I'm not really part of that, so yeah. I haven't come across that, you know, I haven't, I haven't really experienced that. Sure, yeah. And, of course, my films all end up in animation festivals, and they're all people who love animation, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't come across it there. The only time I've sort of come across it slightly is in award ceremonies and things like that, mm. where animation isn't taken as seriously as other art forms within within the television industry or the film industry. And so I have sort of experienced that being at awards, thinking, oh, I think animation is being sidelined here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, just, and just when you watch watch the BAFTAs on television or the Academy Awards, they sort of skim over the animation awards. They don't yeah. even bother showing them sometimes, and they just sort of mention it at the end, you know, when the credits are going. 
So, you know, I noticed it then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you, you yourself, you were, you've been nominated for Oscars for your work, haven't you? I mean... Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, Famous Fred, for instance, was uh, was nominated for an Oscar. And that yeah. was a, a film that uh, is aimed sort of in part at children, isn't it? I mean, I think it's it's yeah. very... Uh, it's very accessible and I think I think you can watch it at any age I mean I love it and it's it's often on still at Christmas you can track it down on TV <laughs> yeah, now if yeah, you if you yeah. know where to look so is it was it a, a difficult transition moving from sort of the more adult films you'd made leading up to that to making yeah, that film it was it was because I'd never ever thought I would do anything for children yeah I mean, it just didn't interest me and then I had a telephone call from John Coates who is, you know, and sadly he's dead now, but yeah. the animation god, yeah. he, he always said, I'm going to retire, and never did, you know, <laughs> ever. Just carried on making lovely films. The Snowman, yeah. When the Wind Blows, all of those lovely TV, half-hour TV specials. Mm-hmm. And then he rang me up out of the blue and just said he had this book, and, um, and he, oh, you, you, you'd be perfect to direct it. <laughs> and of course I went, ooh, <laughs> and uh, panic stations. I didn't even know what direct meant, you know, <laughs> uh, because I was so um, like shocked. I said, "Yes," <laughs> not really thinking it through. But it was a great experience. I mean, it was uh, terrifying, and because it was a much bigger project, and of course, we had to work with a big team. And I had, yeah. and then then I realised, oh, I now I know what directing it it, it means because it actually means orchestrating a team yeah sure rather than animating because i thought oh how am i going to animate all that film (laughs) and direct it and you know and then i thought oh right i see you know you can't direct i mean you can't animate so um yeah i learned i learned loads you know thank god for katrin unwin who held my hand all the way through (laughs) and uh taught me so much and so and i and i wrote john coates a letter afterwards because he he took me on yeah. He gave me that role after I'd made one or two films. But he loved the light, like what you were saying, he loved the, the energy and the liveliness. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's what he wanted to get in the film. Can you remember the moment when, uh, when you heard that you'd been Oscar nominated for it? I can, yes. I was sitting, I was, sitting, I was drawing clouds. I don't know what, what <laughs> I was I just remember vividly. I was dr- sitting drawing clouds that's thinking... That's an incredibly I, romantic scenario. I don't know, <laughs> and I was thinking, I cannot think of anything more boring to draw than clouds. And then the telephone rang, and uh, an American voice, because I was on my own, and an American voice said... Hi, this is the Academy. We want to tell you that you've been nominated. And I went, oh. and uh, so I said, no, don't be serious, this, you know. And uh, and then I, I said, oh, really? Okay, we'll put the phone down. And of course, I, afterwards, I thought, oh, that I tell her, I can't remember who I rang, my mum, I think. And then she asked, started asking questions, and she, I think she was going sure really and I went oh maybe maybe no maybe it was wrong maybe they got the wrong person (laughs) so then I had to look up the academy in Los Angeles get the telephone number (laughs) and I rang them back to double check that they hadn't got me mixed up Uh with somebody else so uh, they went no no it's definitely you (laughs) so that was it (laughs) I beg your pardon sorry were you friends of the deceased No. Oh, it's all too much. (gasps) No, were you friends of Fred? Yes, we were. You were? Yes, he He was was our cat. He he was yours. 
You had the most famous cat in the world. Famous? But he never done nothing. Well, one one film that I, I really want to talk to you about is uh, Britannia, which I think I think uh, a lot of people see as your masterpiece. But uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I would go a step further than that and say it's one of the great masterpieces of animation. Cool. <laughs> I just think it, it's fantastic. I think it, it's a film that, that perhaps feels even more relevant now than when it originally came out. Yeah. Uh, could you just uh, just explain a little bit about what Britannia's about and what inspired you to tackle that subject? Well, um, it's about British imperialism, and you're right. It's particularly pop- popular at the moment. Yeah. I'm not being <laughs> um, there are a lot of screenings of it at the moment. Yeah. It came about, I, I, again, it was a commission because, uh, again, the telephone rang, and it was a producer called Colin Thomas, and he was... I can't really remember how it came about, but there was a series of programs being made about national identity. So Colin wanted to do something about Britain and the British identity and the image of Britannia. And there was a book by um, a a woman called Madge Dresser, um, which, which sort of looked at Britannia being a woman, you know, one minute a warrior figure, the, the next minute a sort of Mother Earth figure. Yeah. And so we were exploring that, but it took ages and ages and ages, you know, <laughs> and it, it wasn't that interesting. It didn't work in animation. Yeah. And so, so we were rattling our brains, you know, trying to work out how to do it. And then eventually we decided to do, you know, British imperialism in five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> like you do. And... Um, and so that's that's how it came about, and it, and it was what what what's quite nice about commissions is that it does take you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and it challenges you, you know, and you think, oh crikey, how how the hell am I going to do this? You know, <laughs> so you're you're set tasks, which is really nice. You know, I like that. It, it doesn't. You don't seem for a minute out of your comfort zone in it because it's just uh, it just works so so brilliantly. I was I was watching it the other day and uh, and looking for well, watching watching all your films and looking for kind of any indication of an influence because I think your your work is so it's so unique that it's really hard to see any possible influences I mean was there any any strong influences on your work from any medium that you can think of off the top of your head well I not not animation really yeah because I sort of came into animation I, I went to college to study graphics and I suppose I, I thought I would probably either be a photographer because I love photography. So yeah. I thought I'll either do photography or and illustration because I could always draw, you know, illustration, definitely funny little drawings yeah. in magazines. <laughs> uh, and then maybe a comic strip, you know, that would be great <laughs> in a magazine or a, a newspaper. So that was sort of my what I was aiming for. But then when I was at college, I, I got introduced to animation and just started drawing, you know, and doing yeah. it. So I didn't really, I wasn't one of those animators who wanted to be an animator from the age of five, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it hadn't really occurred to me. So um, I was just sort of fiddling around, you know, so I wasn't <laughs> really influenced by anybody because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. But I suppose the influences at that time were more painters, you know, painters and, and, and comic strip artists like Posey Simmons. Yeah. Who... Is just a beautiful drawer. You know, her her drawings are very simple, but the knowledge in the anatomy, the way she draws hands, you know, the way she draws the body and everything is so beautiful. You know that she's got a really good knowledge and her, the angles that she uses and everything. Yeah. And so she she was a big influence on me. And you say painters and, as well. What? What? Well, I particularly like um, Balasquez and. Oh, yeah. uh, 
and Dormier, Dormier was a, a, when I was at college, I was totally in love with Dormier. And <laughs> I think, because his drawings are so full of movement. Yeah. And, and you think, golly, he would be an animator. He is an animator. He yeah. is an animator. Well, or was an really animator. He just didn't realise it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't have a rostrum. So, uh, <laughs> so it's more, more draw- drawers uh, and the impressionists, you know, of course. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I suppose the impressionists, because they sort of had so much life in their work, you know, just being able to capture stuff and yeah. uh, make everything lively and, and just painting from life, going out and painting and capturing something. Yeah. In a, and I suppose, I suppose that influenced me, you know, I just wanted to capture, capture movement, you know, capture capture life yeah. um, without it feeling dead <laughs> <laughs> oh well that that's a lot more interesting than people who just reel off a, a load of animators uh, although the, uh, i have got a load of animators that i love now yeah oh, sure. <laughs> well, i mean the, the, on, the only thing that i could come anywhere close to to comparing to was that so like when looking at the bulldog in some of the uh some of the shots in Britannia and his brilliant facial expressions just it made me think of uh, sort of classic kind of Hollywood animators like Chuck Jones and Tex Avery a little bit well I have to say I, I am a massive Tex Avery fan oh fantastic so. <laughs> <laughs> well that's it now. oh we, I love Tex Avery the rest, of, the rest of the uh, rest of this interview could just be us talking about Tex Avery now because <laughs> <laughs> he did very good bulldogs as well actually <laughs> oh he could do good everything he was so, yeah. so wonderful so <laughs> mental you know just yeah. mad nutter yeah well if you watch a, a film like magical maestro which is all just one bulldog doing lots of different like uh, facial expressions and stuff yeah it's incredible now after after 15 years you return to the character of beryl in dreams and desires family ties yeah uh, was it always your intention to bring that character back eventually yes always yeah it was <laughs> She's my alter ego, so yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. and and it's it's lovely. It's lovely to to see you can you can watch just watching it. You can see that affection for the character. Yeah, um, but there's there's I mean, think all three of the the Beryl films have a very sort of different feel to them. Like Girls Not Out is that that very kind of exciting kind of early energetic first film kind of feel to it, and then Body Beautiful almost has a kind almost sort of sitcom feel to it I always think and then oh, interesting. Dreams and Desires Family Ties is it, it feels like a sort of it's got a sort of mockumentary kind of feel with, with yeah. Beryl behind the camera which is fantastic ever since my sister Beverly sent me this digicam things have started to get out of hand I mean I talk to it every day you know like a diary I use it whenever I want I can't stop everybody wants me to video something for them I got lumbered with Vigion, Mandy's bloody wedding now tomorrow. The thing is, I can't say no. Well, you can't, can you? I think I'm addicted. I can't stop reading about film now, see? Oh, I love it. Oh, it takes me places I've never been, like in my dreams. Am I right in thinking that the, the film you work out at the minute is, is also another Beryl film? It is another Beryl film. Oh, and, and And again... There is the, the sort of I'm trying to make sure that um, I, I can get because the thing is like when I made Girls Night Out I was at college and had no idea what I was doing so the energy is me just having a laugh you know <laughs> and just not knowing what was going to happen yeah, and yeah. just enjoying it and not be, not not being worried or fearful yeah and then Body Beautiful the next film was the first time we ever had a budget so we made that for Channel Four and S Four C. 
And so then I thought, well, I can't be, um, I'm not a student anymore. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm now a proper grown-up yeah. <laughs> with, with proper money. I have to be sensible. And so that affected my attitude to the artwork because I thought I can't go mad and scribble because they'll want their money back. <laughs> so, and so that worried me. You know, I thought I have to be professional and make everything look sort of shiny. And, uh, <laughs> so so that, that's why that looked different to that. Yeah. And, then, and then the last film with Beryl in was I just really wanted to do lovely drawing again. Yeah. And so it was a sort of combination, trying trying to get the liveliness in uh, Girls' Night Out, but not quite that rough, because I can't do that anymore. You know, yeah. I just can't be that rough. And uh, so the next film is, we're doing it slightly differently. I started off trying to do it digitally, can you believe? I, I was working on a Cintiq using TV paint. Yeah. So 2D animation, but drawing on a Cintiq. And I did that for six months, and then it nearly killed me. So, I, I, I mean, I, tr- I tried really, really, really hard, but I just couldn't make it look as delicious. <laughs> so, Les, uh, my partner and producer, and all, who also writes these films, yeah. said, well, why are you doing it? Why don't you just do it on paper? And I'm like, I can't, it's going back in time. I have to be new. <laughs> and he said, but you're not happy. And I said, are you right? And he said, and it looks like... Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't look as good so uh so i got my dusty light box out and um paper and i'm in heaven oh, and did it instantly feel again. right then when you oh, went back to it's the... just lovely it's really <laughs> lovely and i've got a lovely group of people working for me and some graduates and they're really enjoying working on paper oh. you know it's like such a treat for them because <laughs> most colleges now seem to have gone over to digital yeah sure I feel like we're re- reinventing animation <laughs> <laughs> reinventing it by going back to the roots yes <laughs> this lot are so young they go paper <laughs> oh yes I made it myself <laughs> <laughs> and, and just, just just quickly is, uh, is it is it all top secret or can you tell us a little bit about about what the film's uh, about well it's it's Beryl again because the last film she discovers um, film yeah. using her camera, and this time she discovers art and she becomes an artist. <laughs> so um, it is sort of top secret, but it's yeah. uh, <laughs> well, only short. It's that, only short. Another short film. You'd think with the amount of time it's taken me to do it, it would be like a, a too long <laughs> feature film, but it isn't. It's just a little film. Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure every second will be worth it when we when we get to see the results. Yeah, I, it, I mean, the, the, I, I'm, I'm, the trouble is, I'm trapped in that animator thing at the moment, where I'm so enjoying doing the animation and all of the detail. It's taking ages, you know. And then you look at it, and normal people look at it and go. What, what am I looking at? You know, <laughs> there. Oh, it's gone. You look again. Watch, watch. You don't anything. Oh, I spent all that time and they don't even notice it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's a few weird people like me out there who will notice Thank it. Thank God. <laughs> God, blimey. And who can't wait to see it. I have to hire you, sit you in the corner to make you feel appreciated. <laughs> oh, Joanna, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you ever so much for doing this. Well, lovely. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> My heartfelt thanks to Joanna Quinn for sharing her insights and showing me that she is as ace in person as her films suggest. You can find out more about Joanna and her work at her website, berylproductions.co.uk. You 
You've been listening to Spoiler with me, Andy Golding. On the next Spoiler Animation Special, I'll be talking to Canadian animation duo Wendy Tilby and Amanda Forbes, directors of the Oscar-nominated shorts When the Day Breaks and Wildlife. We're actors in a way as we animate characters. We, we are performing through them. I think animators in some ways are frustrated actors. You can find out more about Spoiler and listen to our past shows at spoilerpodcast.co.uk or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Acast and iTunes. Also, check out my list of 1,001 animated shorts you must see. You can find the link at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hoare and is recorded in the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln. Just had a quiet drink with the girls.